Mini episode 1272 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with my fellow original FDH Lounge dignitary, Chris Galloway. We are going bit by bit through the NFL in 2020, looking at all eight of the divisions. So this would be part six, the NFC North that we are going through right now. Uh, standard disclaimer, as we're doing at the top of all of these, go back to part one, the AFC East. If you want to hear our macro level thoughts on the season, specifically how COVID-19 is going to affect it. Uh, we, we got all that out of the way there, and then we're just getting into it uh, as it applies team by team, as we're seeing teams that will be specifically kind of affected by it. Don't know if we'll look at any of these teams that way. Uh, it, the NFC North, uh, I don't know that I necessarily do off the top of my head, but I do know in looking at this, I can say this uh, as a guy who has the Packers winning the division yet again, as they have done through the Brett Favre eras and uh, Aaron Rodgers eras, uh, that uh, this is going to be a, a really, really interesting thing to watch and see how it goes. They now have Jordan Love on the roster there. That was something that really shocked us draft night, uh, Chris, as you and I were going through our, uh, our chat on Facebook Live, watching it in, in real time. And it led us to a very, very interesting discussion at the time about uh, if, if Jordan Love hits, there's ne there will never have been a team that's been able to go three quarterback errors in a row like that. Let's say Jordan Love hits and he carries them to like 2035, 2036, when the Brett Favre era started in 92. You brought up the Cowboys, but uh, Danny White is sort of the turd in that particular punch bowl there between uh, Staubach and uh, Aikman, and they only really went three in a row at that point, so... It's, uh, it, although I guess you could look at Morton before that if you wanted to, I suppose. But uh, just the fact that we had to really kind of scratch and claw to find any kind of comparison should tell you how unprecedented it would be if it pays off for them. Yeah, it's a big if, Rick. And uh, the early reports on Jordan Love out of camp certainly don't give you any, uh, anyone any confidence that that's going to be the case. Right. Um, and it may be one of those things that they look back and go, guess we should have gone ahead and got another weapon uh, for a team that got all the way to the NFC Championship. Um, I agree with you. I think they're the first place team in, in this division um, because they have a proven quarterback. They have some talent. Well, they do lose some guys uh, this go around. Um, Devin Funches, although not you know, overly dynamic, opting out hurt them in an area where they were trying to provide depth. And uh, you know, Rogers is thirty six years old, and he's not the guy he was five years ago. Right, he's still very, very good, but he's not you know top three or four anymore. Sorry, and um, so I, I think that they, you know, they are the top team in the division, 
You know, I will point something out here. I'll give you credit. I don't even know if you remember this, but this is from a couple of years back. It was an observation you had, and I think it was one of the years that I was picking the Packers to win the Super Bowl because it just seemed very incongruous to me that we would be looking at Aaron Rodgers as a guy that only won the Super Bowl once. And it's increasingly looking as though that may be the case because uh, there are definitely other teams stacked in front of the Packers this year. As we saw in the NFC Championship game, when they really, really kind of overachieved to get there and then got exposed decisively. But you said a couple of years ago uh, that uh, Aaron Rodgers would end up paying the price for the Packers getting rid of slash not ending up uh, replacing the guys like Jordy Nelson that could get separation, Randall Cobb that uh, guys were either slowing down or not being replaced when they left. Yeah, he's got Devontae Adams now. He's, he's got some weapons that are more fleet of foot than when you said that at the time. But this is a thing, when we look back at the guy's career and we wonder why it wasn't able to work for him, let's say in the mid to late 2010s, I think you identified one of the reasons at the time. Well, and it's, it's sort of the uh, almost criminal lack of support that he's got the organization. Um, you know, you've heard me make this argument many times that there were a lot of seasons where I didn't think the Packers were their roster outside of Aaron Rodgers was any better than the Browns. Right. That they were by and large garbage and they were, I mean, Aaron Rodgers carried them to, you know, the playoffs 10 and 6, 11 and 5, whatever. Um, and I think that was we finally had my thesis tested and proven when he got injured a couple of years ago. Yeah, they were off. And they immediately, they immediately became a just an absolute, you know, pile of smelly dung. Um, and they looked extremely Browns-like. And um, you know, which, which tells you how important the quarterback position is in the league and why the Browns have been so far away for so long. It doesn't matter how many other decent players you've got, you don't have a quarterback, and and the. Packers are guilty of having not given him the level of support that they should have because they should have more Super Bowls. And and, and unless Aaron Rodgers forces his way out of Green Bay after this season, um, he will, and, you know, and gets himself into a, while he's still young enough to a team that's a contender and that maybe is a quarterback away, a better quarterback away in terms of roster talent, um, he is going to finish uh, with just one Super Bowl win, and that'll be the you know, that'll be a big part of the story that's written about. Unfortunately, yep, it's it's criminal for a guy who's arguably a top ten all time quarterback uh, that that would be the case. Although again, he, he and it, you look at it here. I mean, I go back and forth on this. I mean, they're going to take one of the worst cap hits, I think, in NFL history if they get rid of him after this season. I mean, it's what he's got the next couple of years, which just makes it all the stupider if they went after Jordan Love. But the whole thing about getting a young quarterback on his first contract is that's the new cheat code of NFL economics here. That's how you do it. That's why the Browns are putting such a weight on trying to get there before they have to really pay Baker Mayfield. You saw it with the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Yeah, he wasn't the quarterback in the Super Bowl, but he's the guy that got him 90% of the way there. Uh, same thing with Jared Goff getting the Rams to the Super Bowl. You you want to do it while the quarterback's on the first deal. So you have, this is how incompetent they are uh, in, in making that decision and putting themselves in this bind. You have two competing imperatives here 
and, and, and neither one of them is really going to be fully realized. You, you are either going to have the cap hit of having to uh, waste the prime years of Jordan Love economically, or you are going to have the cap hit of uh, monstrous dead money by releasing Aaron Rodgers to try to recoup whatever advantage you can get out of Love. You screwed either way. Yeah, I, I keep any that here. You are 100% correct, and the Jordan Love draft pick was absolutely ridiculously stupid. They should have been. For a team that got, again, one game away from the Super Bowl, should have gone out and done whatever they had to do to put more guys around him. Take that last two or three year ride with him and get every drop out. Right. Before you start worrying about a quarter. And, and I would also just say, you know, I get you know, I get it if you're you're at the top of the draft and you're looking at it, you know, there's no way that you know, a no brainer pick, but you know, Jordan Love is not a no brainer guy. No. And 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 so it, you know, he's got skills ego. He will get his college maybe he go pro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got a long way to go. And I mean unless they are really committed to the idea of like, hey, you're gonna sit for three years like Aaron Rodgers and then we're gonna roll you out and you're gonna be amazing. You know, good luck to your point, good luck with that, because no one's ever pulled that off three quarterbacks in a row. Um and, and my guess is their luck runs out, and, and uh, despite the fact that they'll finish, you know, eleven and five this year, um, in, in my prediction, uh, you know, long term, to your point, they're in trouble. Um, I think other teams that are managing those same pressures better, uh, like Vikings, and, and even to some degree, like the like the Bears. Yeah, I mean, and I, I hate to say it, but because uh, I don't have anything at all against the Packers, but we may look back on this as the beginning of the end in, in terms of them riding high, them making that decision there. Uh, and notwithstanding the fact that, again, they've been pretty good defensively the last couple of years, better than they've been previously under Mike Pettin defensively. But what they're dealing with offensively here, yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, and uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, ironically, this is how he started his career, was in Jordan Love's shoes, and now he ends his career with it being the other, in his career in Green Bay, I should say, uh, with, with the reverse being true. And I'm not a big fan in general of taking quarterbacks second round or late first round, unless when Aaron Rodgers dropped, I mean, that was a no-brainer, right? That was a thing where, ironically, I thought when Brady Quinn dropped to the Browns, it was the same kind of a thing. But unless it's a quote-unquote no-brainer where somebody drops that shouldn't drop, I'm not in favor of it. I'm only in favor of uh, taking a quarterback to build around that is a consensus top 10 quarterback because there's generally a reason why those guys are those guys. Having said that, if Green Bay is, let's leave aside the economics and the ruinous part of it for Green Bay, if they're going to squint to look for any kind of optimism here, you look at a year ago, in a very, very similar position, Drew Locke going to Denver, he's working out pretty good there. So sometimes these guys that need a little bit of work, if you can get them a little bit of work, then you're in good shape. Well, I mean, all that's true. And, and to your point, if, if Jordan Love proves to be the next Aaron Rodgers, it'll it'll be brilliant, right? It's brilliant. Right. They get, they get you know, basically 40 years of excellent quarterback <laughs> play that nobody else can. But, you know, it's, I think that they were better suited to try to win now 
and worry later about in three years for a quarterback. Um, but they saw it differently. And, and you know, unless I say to you all the time, you know, time will tell. Um, I think it was a mistake this time, to your point. I mean, we thought that that year that Aaron Rodgers dropped, I mean, we all thought he might go to the 49ers. Uh, right. Um, you know, much earlier, I should say. I mean, what was the 49ers drafted in, like, third or something? I mean, it was high. Um, and we thought, boy, that was a place for him and didn't go there. And, um, you know, I, when he dropped, it was kind of a no-brainer for the Packers. Um, because they had a stacked team, they had Bert Farr, but it was like, well, how do you pass up a guy? If you have him rated as the top quarterback and you're sitting there at 16, and he falls to you, you just take him. But in this case, I don't think anybody had Jordan Love ranked that way. Right. A completely different rating on the quarterbacks, a completely different league 15 years later in terms of the economics. Everybody looks at it on the surface as like, oh, this is the reverse of what happened with Aaron Rodgers previously. But no, it, it really, you know, other than the fact that it's ironic that Aaron Rodgers was the stalker and now he's the stalky with a young guy behind him, there are no similarities whatsoever that go beyond that. It's just surface stuff there. And again, won't hurt him this year in terms of winning the division, I don't think, but it'll hurt him in the times to come. I got him 11-5 and five also. Behind them, I have two nine and seven playoff teams. I guess they'll we'll start with their oldest rival. Uh, I have the Bears in there at nine and seven. I think that uh, bringing in Nick Foles uh, again, the, the ceiling on him, and, and again, yes, as a guy that uh, basically uh, you know repeated what the Giants did in the nineteen ninety playoffs uh, with a backup. But notwithstanding that, notwithstanding the fact that he went on a Super Bowl run. The ceiling with Nick Foles over the long haul is not super high, but uh, it's higher than it was for the Bears last year with just a completely incompetent offense where they were really kind of unable to take advantage of a lot of Matt Nagy's wizardry uh, to the extent where his own reputation really kind of suffered. Defensively, I still think obviously they're going to be very strong this year. Uh, I have them being a well-balanced enough 9-7 9-7 and seven team to make the playoffs. I think it could be a good breakthrough year for, uh, for Anthony Miller, uh, thus giving some good bookends at wide receiver along with Allen Robinson. Uh, again, a, a good but not great Bears team, I would say, just enough to get into the playoffs, maybe be a stepping stone for the next couple of years, but I don't see them going beyond the first round of the playoffs. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I have the Bears in fourth place. Really? Okay. Uh, yes, and I do, and it's not a lot. Um, I have the Bears at seven and nine, and I have the, the Lions at eight and eight, and the Vikings at nine and seven. I have them all jammed up in there. Um, but coming back to my dumb theme that this is a quarterback league, I think the Bears will back. Adding Nick Foles is not an answer. I'm sorry, it isn't. Um, I believe they will start the season with Trubisky, and they will and they will attempt to go four or five weeks with him. And if he doesn't perform, they'll make the switch. Um, so I, I, they have. I mean, look, that is a great defense, and it's going to keep them in games. There's yep. no doubt about it. Um, but I just that offense, the quarterback, despite some talent at positions, I I loved Anthony Miller coming out of 10, out of uh, Memphis and. Um, 
I would love to see him step up this year. I just don't get the sense that dogs come together for Chicago this year. Uh, you know, a team with like I think a roster made up of like thirty four tight ends. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I think it's it's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, I just I, I'm seeing some limitations in the quarterback play with the Trubisky Bulls that's going to hold them back. The defense will keep them in every game. So I'm just I feel like it's just not going to quite break their way. You know, if they go nine and seven like you've got, you know, I won't be colored shock. I mean, I've got them at seven and nine, right? That's not much different. Yeah. Couple, that's a couple breaks and a couple games. Um, I have the Lions at eight and eight as sort of a surprise of the division in third place. Um, but yeah, I just I don't think they've got enough to be a playoff team in the quarterback position. And I mean they've got a great run game. Um, they've got a lot of mediocre tight ends and um, and a solid defense. And and I don't I don't really like the overall mix on this. That make me think that you know there's much, they're much more than an eight eight team, and I'm not guilty of that. I'm without Pegham in at seven and nine. Well, in terms of the running game, I don't necessarily disagree with you there, but David Montgomery presently is banged up now. Uh, the late summer 2020 waiver wire at running back is better than it is in most years, so the Bears can maybe get somebody to come in for the first part of the season there. But uh, I, I think in, in looking at it, yeah, I, there, there's definitely still some questions offensively, and I, I do agree with that. Uh, tremendous, I guess, an optimist if you're a Bears fan would say, nobody's got better depth at tight end than we do, uh, which, you know, you kind of have no excuse. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, literally, it would be impossible for anybody to have depth. <laughs> well, and, you know, you know when, when you look at that position, though, and again, you look at the fact that I would say the two best tight ends in the league by a comfortable margin happened to be in the Super Bowl last year, plus Rob Gronkowski being in it a bunch of times in recent years. It's not like tight end isn't important, but it's a quality over quantity thing. Those teams didn't make it there because they had a bunch of guys that could play tight end. They made it there because they had the best athletes in the league at tight end manning that position. Yeah, and I think um, Coltimac could be that guy. Um, I don't know her name. Sure, maybe. Uh, that they drafted. I mean, I love that kid. But yeah. I, I think it's a lot to put on the shoulders of a rookie. And I think Jimmy Graham is a nice number two option, but he's old. Yeah. He's over the hill. He's not who he was. And, and so <laughs> to think that you're getting anything other than that is silly. So you got a rookie, and you got a over the hill, used to be good. Um, so I don't have a lot of faith in that, and um, I just there's just a lot. Of, I think there's still a lot to be desired on the offensive side of the ball for the Bears. A defense will keep them in games, but you still got to be able to score points in this league. And you know you can't win every game seventeen to you know fourteen, and um, that's going to be the thing that I think challenges them. And unless things break their way. Uh, I think that's a seven and nine roster. Well, it may very well be. And you look at it, and you 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 mentioned something about the Lions here. Let's go to them last because you and I are going to diverge wildly on them, probably more so than any other team in the league. I don't think. Oh, it, that'll be fun. Well, and here's the thing too. Like, I don't think it's even possible for anybody this year to diverge wildly on the Minnesota Vikings. 
I think they kind of are what they are, which is probably much along the same as what they were the last couple of years. Yes, they have lost some of their defensive depth, uh, but they've gone out there and I think tried to do a nice job of replacing it. Kirk Cousins is going to give you whatever he gives you, assuming that uh, he isn't a COVID-19 uh, victim based on his own comments. But, uh, you know, so we have no ability to know how that's going to go. But, I mean, the Vikings, to me, kind of are what they are. I got them at 9-7. and seven. I got them as a wild card team. And right there, sort of trapped in that 9-7 uh, and seven dungeon that they've been in, the, you know, the last couple of years. Not literally that they've gone 9-7 and seven every year, but they've, They've been basically, for all intents and purposes, an above-average team in the Mike Zimmer era. And I think, again, having what they have at quarterback, we have talked about this repeatedly, about, you know, the, the it's not just the most important position in the league. It's disproportionately so, as you talked about with Rodgers in, in his biggest glory days with the Packers. And having what you have with Kirk Cousins, he's not going to drag them below 9-7, and seven, but neither is he going to elevate them. I think that's fair. Um, they lost some guys, you know. You, you, they, you know, shipping off Stefan Diggs, you know, getting losing Xavier Rhodes, mm-hmm. then Pacific heading over to the Chargers, losing a quarterback depth and Trey Waynes. Um, you know, having defensive line depth like Michael Pierce opt out. You know, they took some body blows. Now they added Justin Jefferson, nice right. pick. Uh-huh. Um, you know, picking up Ezra Cleveland offensive line. Like that pick, he's probably a you know maybe not as much this year, but looks next year for him to be a, you know a very good guy. You know, rookie tackles, you know, you can expect this trouble. Um, so I like some of the stuff that they've done, but they also lost guys, losing Everson Griffin, um, you know, uh, uh, Weatherly. I mean, they, I mean, they lost a lot of dudes. Cousins is a gamer. There's no way around that. I mean, he's a baller. Uh, they've got weapons. They're going to score points. They've got a great running game. That's not going to change. Um, I've got them at eight and eight, and, and and just kind of figuring that they're going to be in like every game, and they're going to be competitive. But um, I think in some ways they're also going to miss. Are you ready for it? They're going to miss Kevin Stefanski. Sure. And and uh, I think they're going to take a slight step back. Last year's ten and six um, to eight and eight. They're you know the type of team that'll be in the playoff hunt to the end and uh, come up just short. But um, you know I still think long term the Vikings are going to be a viable you know playoff contending type team um, if they play their cap space right um, into the future. And uh, you know I just this year it's going to be a slight step back and an eight and eight team. And um, uh, I'm sorry. I, whoops, my bad. I have them at nine and seven. Look oh, at my notes. Okay. Sorry, my bad. My bad. My bad. I got them at nine and seven. So same as me. So do, do you have them? Do you have them making the playoffs? I I, I have them uh, on the bubble. I, I didn't make a determination. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, on that, but I I have them. I'm sorry. I misread that because I, I was we were talking lines and I'm looking at the record. Yeah. That I have written down here. So um, I have them at nine and seven. So I have them making the, you know, the one game step back um, right. from, uh, from last year. So, I mean, analysis still being the same. They're going to be in the hunt to the end. They're going to be a good team, and they probably will sneak into the playoffs. 
Yeah, that's how I've got it pretty much uh, exactly. And then now we come to the Lions here where we are going to diverge because, uh, you know, so many different uh, things here, whether it be on draft night, which I know I made uh, light of during our Facebook live chat, but for those who didn't pick it up then, uh, they basically they owe royalties to the Cleveland Browns for their whole create-a-hole-fill-a-hole strategy here in the first round. <laughs> We're going to take a quarterback after we let our – you know, franchise cornerback go to the Eagles, and uh, I think it's an upgrade, but I mean, still, uh, that wasn't a hole that they had previously. I look at this whole situation, and, and yes, they, they upgraded at running back. I think Swift uh, is going to be uh, tremendous in there, and I think him and Johnson are going to be really good. I think oh, yeah. he's going to fit their system very well. Yes, yes, and I think him and Johnson are going to be a really good one-two punch. But I still look at this. They have so many holes on both sides of the ball. And I look at this whole thing, too. Look, let's be honest. Matt Patricia had worn out his welcome there, and they brought him back. In in any sport, this whole thing of where a coach is dangling on the abyss and they bring him back, it never ends well. You know, this is the whole thing. You know, I, I like to make the comparison here to real-life situations when you bring back a coach after a year like that, it's like, you know, instead of breaking up, why don't we go to this destination wedding together? Yeah, that'll end well, and that's what the Lions have to look forward to. I say 2-14. 2-14? and 14. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, yes. Well, instead of breaking up, they went ahead and decided to, like, have a baby at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. And that the beard and has backwards any of the that's right. Um, <laughs> He's an engineer. <laughs> that's right. So, um, I mean, look, uh, I disagree with you on this, and, and, and here's where I'm going to go with it. I mean, I agree with you on the create a whole fill a whole thing, although Jeff Akuda is an upgrade. Sure. That guy's a stud. Yes. Um, and being in Trufant to help him back there is, again, veteran experience. I'm okay with that. I didn't like losing Glasnow on the offensive line. Um, you know, they had uh, Bodine opt out on the offensive line, which was sort of a late hit. Um, but they got Galladay. Matthew Stafford, when healthy, can sling it. And people forget how good this offense was clicking in the first six weeks when Stafford was healthy. They were they could throw the ball. They could move the ball. And, 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 and I love Swift. I think DeAndre Swift is going to fit beautifully in their system. He is going to be dangerous. He's going to be a weapon catching the ball, running the ball. Um, you know, they've got options with him. And so um, they've got uh, Hawkinson, the tight end. Um, I like this. I think this offense is going to be way better than you think, and it's going to be way better than two wins. Uh, as long as, and again, back to Chris's continuous theme of it's a quarterback it's a quarterback league. That's right. Um, so Matthew Stafford, if he stays healthy for 16 games, is going to pass for like 5,500 yards. You know, he is going to light it up all over the place. And um, that will that will be enough to, in my mind, erase the question marks on defense. Because, again, Patricia brought in to be the defensive guy, and the defense has been gruesome. Um, but to, to, to rain on your little parade, 
bring that Patricia back, and he gets them to eight and eight, and then the Lions have that question. Now what do you do? You have improvement. You got better. You competed for a playoff spot, even though you didn't make it at eight. You were at the end of the you know bubble, and you, you got left out. You saw improvement. It was turnaround. Now what do you do? That's a, that's in some ways an even worse curse than your two and fourteen. That's clear cut what you do. Eight and eight causes you to pause again and go, uh, we bring him back. So I have the Lions as a surprise third place, eight and eighteen, edging out the seven and nine Bears, who will be the last place in this team or this division. Either way, it's a solid division top to bottom. No one's going to be terrible including the Detroit Lions. Well, I will say this. If they go 8-8, then they've proved me wrong. And look, if they go 8-8, if they sniff the playoffs, you bring Patricia back for year four because he's proven me wrong. I I think this is the year it all catches up to him. And this is a guy that I had high hopes for. But this is a guy where, again, you, you hear a lot in the league about the coaches that have, and I think you and I would agree that like Kevin Stefanski has it, Sean McVay has it in spades, emotional intelligence. I mean, Matt Patricia is a friggin' engineer. He's a brilliant guy, but he hasn't shown at the time that he's in Detroit even a scintilla of the amount of emotional intelligence it takes to get and keep a clubhouse. We'll see if he learned anything in the offseason. I'm dubious. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I agree. I, I, if you said to me, who you know, who's a better coach right now and even though he hasn't coached the game, I would pick the Stefanski every day of the week. Absolutely. No, no failure. I'm <laughs> seeing it how he handles his team and I see the struggles that Patricia has had since he's been in Detroit. All of that being said, a, a healthy Matt Stafford makes that team viable every single week. That guy can throw the football. And they've got him weapons right now. So offensively, they'll never be out of a game. And if they can piece enough together, just a move, I I think they're a 500 ball club. I just think they are. Despite Matt Patricia's, you know, failing as a uh, a human in terms of (laughs) his ability to, his ability to, uh, we don't want to talk about his uh, parents. Uh, legal troubles, <laughs> um, uh, and his inability to uh, relate to his players in a very Belichickian fashion. Um, but, you know, again, I got him at 8 and 8. Again, look, you can nitpick, right? I mean, we've got, you've got Lions at 8 and 8, Bears at 7 and 9, Vikings at 9 and 7. That's where I've got them all. They're all right, but they're all jumbled up in there, very, very close. Well, and I guess I got them losing a lot of 34 to 31 games, but uh, in, in terms of high-powered offense, what better way to bring it full circle than on this? So as I'm going hunting for any of the pictures uh, slash memes for slides for YouTube for our segments here, this was something that I had come across, uh, a meme that somebody had made, but it is a meme that is based in reality. Patrick Mahomes, of course, son of former MLB, longtime uh, short uh, 
relief guy, uh, Pat Mahomes. Short relief, but I think he was only intermittently a closer, but still. But anyways, so of course Patrick uh, played a little bit of the uh, the bees ball in his youth. What that means here is the Tigers have drafted one more Super Bowl winning quarterback than have the Detroit Lions. Chew on that, Chris. Oh, it's kind of cruel. Yeah. I'm going to reject, I'm rejecting that right now. Are you? I'm rejecting that. I am. And the reason I'm rejecting that is because the issues in Detroit have not been Matt Stafford's making. He has, there is, you know, he has been, he had a better organization coaching around him. Uh, there's no reason he couldn't have won a Super Bowl. He has all the skills and all the ability. Um, so I, re- I reject your meme, sir. <laughs> well, for, for... I will defend Matt Stafford. <laughs> for, for purely comedic uh, purposes here, uh, I will cite an intellectually bankrupt uh, political podcasting buffoon and say, facts don't care about your feelings, Chris Galloway. <laughs> yeah, I, that, they are facts. Yeah. I have a feeling that Matt Stafford stays healthy this year and they win eight games, which again, it's not a great resume builder for Matt Stafford's you know, career, but I think again shows that he is a very good uh, can be a top ten quarterback when he's healthy. He certainly is. Uh, he's not the reason the Lions are not winning playoff games. Well, in just in in fairness, I think we can all agree in any part of life uh, in terms of the reference I just made there. Uh, and anything you want to talk about, Matt Stafford greater than Ben Shapiro, so he's got that going for him. But anyways, uh, that brings us full circle here as we go through our 2020 AFC uh, NFC North breakdown up next the 2020 nfc south thank you chris galloway and thank you everybody for tuning in